0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And if this is your first time with us in Virtual Legality, I do these episodes live now at the end of the episode on what's been happening in the topic that we've discussed, but that when we talk about the legal issues that I'm about to go through, I don't generally look at the comments in advance. So Please, if you're interested in asking a question or otherwise getting my attention, I will have a section at the end of the video to talk that through with you. Please hold your specific questions or comments until then. Or if you want to flag it with an at hog law or a super chat, I can generally see those and grab those at the end of the video when we get to that section. So thank you so much, everybody. And with that said, let's talk about what we're here to talk about today. And that is, of course, the absolutely expected success of a little video game called Pal World. Or, as you can see on this particular tweet or Twitter thread, PAL World has sold over 6 million copies in only four days. Our all time peak player count has also surpassed 1.7 million. These numbers are crazy in the world of video games, and really nobody had any anticipation that the game PAL World would be so successful before it released. My friend Travis, who reviews games for IGN and is a co host of the Bitcast on Sundays at 11, if you wanna check that out, was slated with reviewing this particular game, because honestly, no one was that interested in what it was before it came out. It was labeled as Pokemon with guns in certain spaces, and that's how I knew it from the trailers that I had seen years ago, but it's a very different game from that, and quite frankly, it's one that I enjoy, but it's part of the conversation because it is so, so popular. One of the things I've said in Virtual Legality a lot is that when we're talking about fan games, when we're talking about derivative works, when we're talking about things that might stumble into copyright infringement areas, one of the things that you basically want to do is go under the radar for a while, because for the most part, a lot of these companies aren't going to take steps to kill you, to to take away your rights, to issue a cease and desist order, whatever it might be, if they think that you are useful to them in marketing their property and that you're not competitive in the overall market here. World is clearly competitive with Pokemon. And so Nintendo and the Pokemon Company and Game Freak and the various entities that are responsible for the Pokemon brand are probably looking at this with new eyes than they looked at it with a few years ago. But that doesn't mean necessarily that something bad is going to happen on this particular score. So let's talk about that. First, as I said, we will have a question and comment section at the end of the video. So please do let me know at the end if there's anything you think... There should be described more or that I can describe more fulsomely for you. And then let's talk about Pal World. If you haven't seen this game, Pal World Pals are pictured on this particular image. And as you can see, they are at minimum very inspired by the three-dimensional Pokemon look, right? Not the old Pokemon games uh, that you might think of with like Red and Blue in the early generations. But as they developed into 3D, as they were kind of framed out in the anime show these look a lot like Pokemon. Why is that? I'm not an artist, I'm a lawyer, uh, but I expect it's certain aspects of how you draw a Pokemon or otherwise shape them in the 3D space that have been used for these particular creatures. And one of the things I said on the BitCast when we talked about Pal World was that this actually, as a lawyer, flies a little close to the sun for me. If I were working at Pocket Pair or I was legal counsel for any of these folks, I would say, this seems a little bit close. Doesn't mean it's infringing, doesn't mean you'll wind up in a lawsuit, doesn't mean you'll go to jail or anything like that, but seems a little bit close to me. And so this conversation was one that I could have expected if I knew Power World was going to be the most popular game on the planet, but I didn't expect because I didn't know that was going to happen. So this does fly close to the sun, doesn't mean it's illegal. Let's talk about that more. Here are Pokemon, or more specifically, the starter Pokemon from one of the recent Pokemon games. And so you can see the way that they draw these Pokemon and these are represented in 3D in the game itself, are very specific. They are evocative of of a certain feel, and the PAL World PALs carry through that feel, only they now have Gatling guns or rocket launchers or other things that you might see in this game. And that's why Steven Totillo at his new newsletter GameFile started talking about this issue. PAL World is the hottest video game on Earth and one of the most controversial, he says. And he gives a whole lot of background here. He says, the 1.6 million mark is also near double the peak PC concurrent player count for Hogwarts Legacy. Last year's best-selling video game in the U.S. Pal World's developers have been accused of plagiarizing Pokemon. Some of the in-game pals or creatures resemble Pokemon, online users have said. Now, yes, obviously they do. So that's not really a news item. And plagiarism is an interesting word to use in this space because plagiarism is usually used in an academic context. We talk about it in school. We talk about it when writing our thesis or whatever else we might be doing from an academic perspective, that you don't want to copy the ideas and thoughts of someone else. That isn't a legal issue. That's an ethical issue, right? In general, the law doesn't care so much if you borrow quotes that are unattributed in your thesis. The law doesn't care so much if you quote unquote plagiarize, although we'll talk about some exceptions to that as part of this video, what we do care about is direct copying. We care about copyright infringement. And plagiarism is a useful word online to kind of have this argument without getting into the technicalities. But it's also less than useful because you can use plagiarism to say, hey, this is a copy. This makes me feel ungood. I feel this is an unethical practice without getting into what is allowed and not allowed in society's rules. So that's important to kind of frame out there because you will see on Twitter or social media use of the phrase plagiarism a lot. and we're going to talk about whether or not that's happening here. Some of these are not as close to what I would consider to be a legal problem here. You've got a, a comparison between a Pal World character and a Pokemon here, and you can see influence in design. I have no doubt in my mind that Pocket Pair, the developers of Pal World, had on their whiteboard as part of making this particular game that they wanted to evoke the feeling of modern three-dimensional Pokemon. That's part of the attraction of this game that they've made. Now, you might think that that's free riding off of Nintendo success. You might find that unethical. You might never make a game like that for yourself, but I have no doubt that that was the mission statement. That in and of itself, as we will see, is not illegal. And then you have things like these eyes and a mouth being put on a completely different creature. I don't know that this is at all close to what we might find is a legal problem either, but you see people are upset about this, and this comes, as most things do, in context to other news items around the world, right? So this is a part of the AI conversation, a general consternation among artists that the value of their work is being reduced because companies like the people that make Pal World, companies like that make other video games, other movies, television shows, whatever it might be, are more inclined to use generative AI or other low-cost mechanisms to make art in a way that artists are concerned about. And so one of the things you see here is that there is this kind of through line of artists being concerned with this kind of approach. Then we have Steven Totillo interviewing Don McGowan, who headed the Pokemon Company's legal team from 2008 to 2020, when he, what he made of Palworld. So I find this quote very interesting, and we'll talk about why in just a second. This looks like the usual ripoff nonsense that I would see a thousand times a year when I was the chief legal officer of Pokemon, he said. I'm just surprised it got this far, which has been re-quoted in places around the internet. And it's an interesting quote to me because I think it's pretty much empty, right? This speaks to me of a litigation specialist that used to look at these issues and doesn't really have a knowledge of Palworld or what this specific concept is right now. And so says, hey, look, yeah, we got a lot of clones. We got a lot of things that I had to knock down when I was the head of legal. And so this looks like the same kind of thing to me. And people have been jumping on that as uh, Nintendo could move on this or the Pokemon company could move on it or Game Freak or wherever you might find your legal redress might jump on this. But to me, this is a person being asked a question that they didn't really have the homework done for, which is not a problem, right? I get asked questions all the time where I say, look, I can't speak to this. We're going to see one in just a minute, as a matter of fact. But this is not anything that anybody should take as indicative of what the current Nintendo company Game Freak, or the Pokemon company thinks of this particular issue. In fact, I think there's reasons to believe they don't think this is the kind of thing that they should move against. And part of that is the time frame that we're going to talk about with respect to this game. So, continuing with this article, Pal World has gone viral before, back in June 2021, when the game's original cutesy, cutesy violent trailer earned it the moniker Pokemon with Guns. Not used by the company, notably, right? Pocket Pair didn't call it Pokemon with Guns. In fact, they don't like calling it Pokemon at all. I'm happy to see that it's gotten a lot of positive feedback, Pocket Pair CEO Takuro Mizobi told me at the time, but I have mixed feelings about it. This is because Pal world is completely different from Pokemon. At bare minimum, the CEO seems to be well-trained on the legalities here, which is to say, we are not going to confuse our product with Pokemon. We're invoking it. We are inspired by it. We want people to think about it when they play our game, but this is not Pokemon. We don't want to get into a trademark dispute. We don't want to have... Substantial similarity, which we'll talk about with respect to copyright in just a second. So it's not Pokemon. And as a matter of fact, if you actually go and play Pal World, I thought it was Pokemon with guns before the game came out. I thought it would be a RPG where you collected monsters and they fought for you in turn-based battles of some kind. That is not this game at all. As Steven Totillo describes, you play as a human washed ashore onto a strange new land. All you have is a loincloth. That actually depends on what body type you picked. As you set about collecting rocks and branches to construct axes and clubs and spears and whatnot. Eventually, you build a crafting bench, beds, and farm plots while managing your character's hunger, fatigue, and body heat. And then you go out and collect pals in pal spheres. Not Pokeballs. Pal spheres. I know. uh, It's very much inspired by Pokemon, but inspiration's okay. And you go out and collect those pals. You bring them back to your base, and you use them to do things like cook for you. Or make them into a flamethrower. And part of this goofiness, part of what's been so successful with this game is having this notion of cute things be used as weapons or in weapon situations, much like you might see from other satirical or uh, parody-based uses of copyrightable content, right? So if you think of a family guy cutaway, you think of a South Park episode, you think of uh, a satire movie, this is getting very close to that in some important respects. And part of the satire works because of how evocative it is of the original material. And so that's part of this conversation as well. But that's basically what Steven Totello talked about in this article, I wanted to frame it for you because we've got a lot more to get into. I also wanted to mention that this is by far not the first game to actually take the Pokemon format and look at it in a different perspective, right? Temtem is a game that was very popular takes a very literal Pokemon format with turn-based battles, but instead of single Pokemon at a time, you use two monsters at once, and it's an all-online environment. So it adds things to the recipe. And in general, when we talk about copyright, when we talk about intellectual property at all, the law and society wants people to be remixing their ideas, wants people to be going in there and thinking about new ways to approach something. That's how we get new things. A lot of people don't like copyright because it blocks off the use of certain intellectual property. But ultimately, the law and the First Amendment in the United States wants you to be able to use things that have been created in new and inventive ways for the betterment of society. So Temtem is out there. Being a Pokemon game, a little bit different. Cassette Beasts, which is a game I adore. If you do follow me on the BitCast, you know that. Cassette Beasts is almost identical to Pokemon, but takes some different art, takes some different perspectives on that. You're not going to confuse Cassette Beasts with pokemon that's not what they were aimed at when they made this game but the game design is very similar so why aren't these in trouble well the answer to that is because game design itself is not something that can be copyrighted or at least mostly not one of the things we're going to talk about with respect to intellectual property is that we've got rules we've got notions we've got things that are written in the statutes and the constitutions and things like that but ultimately all of these things have to be pressed in court by a copyright holder that wants to protect its interests or by someone else that wants to use something in a way that the copyright holder is against or hasn't spoken on. And so there's a lot of gray area in intellectual property. And one of those things is with respect to game design, because you have had successful game design protection cases from folks like Hasbro that have taken elements of game design and gotten them protected as copyrightable in a way that law review articles and the basics of copyright practitioners will tell you is maybe not a good idea and maybe will ultimately be overturned Because the most fundamental understanding of copyright and intellectual property in the United States, yes, but all across the world, because most countries are subscribers to international treaties, compacts, and groups that allow for copyrights and intellectual property to be protected in one place and have that protection go everywhere, is that ideas, methods, and systems are not subject to protection. Said another way, if you have an idea for an electric mouse, you can't protect the concept of an electric mouse. You can protect the way that you express an electric mouse. So if you've got a Pikachu picture, if you draw Pikachu, if you make him 3D, that's protected, but you can't prevent the next person from making an electric mouse. You can't pre- prevent the next person from making an RPG where you collect pocket monsters and go seeking gym badges in a turn-based RPG environment. That is not something that we want you to be prevented from doing. That would be too far and too broad and would prevent things like video games and movies and television shows from actually growing and and getting new ideas and becoming better and better. So you can protect expression, Pikachu, not the idea, electric mouse. And so one of the things that is come up in discussions online and elsewise is, are we talking about this? When we talk about World? I would argue we are not. And we're gonna get into the specifics here a little bit more. But this is what some people, some artists, some folks that are discussing pal world think is happening. And this is not the case. Even the mustache in the blue wouldn't prevent you from getting in trouble for this. Um, And so, yeah, this is not what's happening with respect to pal world. And I want to talk about why that is. Let's take a look at an article that VGC did that was discussing plagiarism accusations pile up as CEO responds. I'm actually quoted in this article, uh, but we're not going to go straight there. The director of Steam's colossal breakout hit Palworld has responded to allegations of plagiarism as accusations mount that the game could have copied Pokemon designs. And plagiarism here is a questionable usage again, because what we're talking about in the law is direct copies. We are concerned with copying of assets, textures, actual 3d meshes, whatever it might be. We're concerned about that copying. We're not concerned about the ideas or even the the way that a Pokemon makes you feel, you're allowed to kind of evoke that from a legal perspective and we're concerned about direct copies. And that's what VGC winds up getting into here. On Monday, the game's director, Takur Mizobi, posted a response to the accusations. While he did not deny any influence from Pokemon, which is a strange requirement to make of him, he claimed the game's artists had received online abuse and called for it to stop. We are currently receiving abusive and defamatory comments against our artists in addition to tweets that appear to be death threats. He wrote on X, translated by VGC. While we have received various opinions about Palworld, it is important to note that the supervision of all materials related to Palworld is conducted by a team, including myself. I bear the responsibility for the produced materials. I would appreciate it if these comments towards artists involved in Palworld would cease. However, the accusations against Palworld took another turn on Sunday when an anonymous X account appeared claiming to show evidence of not just design inspiration, but plagiarism of actual game assets. Stealing, actually. User Bio posted several videos comparing Palworld's in-game 3D models to those of Pokemon and claimed to show evidence that they were likely copied. While none of the half dozen models compared by the X user appear to be one-to-one copies, they claimed that their proportions were nearly identical to Pokemon models exported from Switch's Scarlet and Violet games. And then they have little video clips here that I'm not gonna use. I don't use clips on this channel. And one thing I did mean to mention at the beginning of this video is that you will note in the description that we don't include links to the articles that we'll be discussing in this video, in the description to the video, because YouTube has been sending me nasty grams and emails about links that it doesn't like. And I want to make YouTube happy on this score. And even though I think that that lowers the informational content that we can put out there, I do wanna make sure that we continue to have this channel function. So I'm very apologetic that the discussed in this episode section of the description will no longer include links but I might try it again in the future if YouTube stops pinging me for things like sending you to MSN or other you know, disastrous websites. According to two experienced AAA game artists who spoke to VGC, the model comparisons on X are likely evidence that Palworld's character models were indeed based on Pokemon assets. You cannot in any way accidentally get the same proportions on multiple models from another game without ripping the models, or at the very least tracing them meticulously first. One senior character artist told VGC anonymously, Adding, I would stand in court to testify as an expert on this. And now we're getting into legal weeds, right? So you you have an accusation here that essentially the Pal World folks made derivative works of existing Pokemon. So when we talk about copyright, we've said it before in virtual legality, but if you don't remember, copyright is the exclusive right of a creator of a piece of content, expressive content here, to prevent folks from reproducing it, prevent folks from making derivative works from it, prevent folks from displaying it, performing it, if that's applicable to what we're talking about as a work, that kind of thing. And, and one of those things would be making a derivative like tracing a 3D model, or certainly just stealing it, incorporating it in your work directly. To give you an idea of how impossible this is, sometimes we have to copy one mesh to another when we make sequels to games, for example, redrawing an NPC from one game to another. And even when we rework those old models, They only sometimes match this closely due to rigging changes that might need to happen. There have been times when dozens of artists are given the same concept art to create a 3D model, for example, during art tests for jobs. I've seen 30 artists try to make the same horse using the same schematics. None were as close to each other as these Palworld models are to the Pokemon models. None. The silhouettes and proportions here are near perfect matches. Now you do have a note here that I think is important. The wireframe meshes look different so they're not the same models but it's so close that they may have been built over the top of the Pokemon models and made a few changes so they weren't exactly the same. And again, this is the notion of it's okay to be influenced by Pokemon. It's okay to want to evoke the concept of Pokemon when you play this game, especially if you're talking about it being satirical or a parody of what Pokemon represents, but it's not okay to just take their mesh. It's not okay to just copy their work directly. And this is the accusation here made by this anonymous Twitter user. When does heavily inspired become a blatant copy? It's much easier to take a successful style and tweak it slightly than it is to come up with a new cohesive style, right? I wouldn't be comfortable passing this off as my work. It's just too close in many places, says this person that was interviewed by VGC. Again, anonymous sources we always have to take with a grain of salt. We talk about that in Hangouts and Headlines a little bit more than virtual legality, but it still holds here. If the 3D models do provide compelling evidence of copying, then it raises the question of the possibility of legal action from the Pokemon Company, a historically litigious organization which has frequently targeted fan games and imitation projects in the past. David Hansel, an intellectual property and digital media lawyer at Hansel Henson, told VGC that if it could be proven that elements of the 3D models were the same, then it would represent a smoking gun for any legal case brought forward by the Pokemon Company. Now, one thing to understand here is Elements, I think in traditional English language, sounds like if any aspects are the same, but I think what he's speaking of specifically is direct one-for-one taking of an element from the 3D mesh that exists in Pokemon to how you used it in Pal World, and not kind of conceptual elements that we would think of when we're not talking about legalese. It's down to Nintendo to absolutely prove copying, not merely taking influence, he told BGC. It's got to be obvious copying. You look at one picture and you look at the other alongside it. The industry would have come to an end years ago if you weren't allowed to take influence. You can't have a monopoly on a certain style of artwork. It literally has to be copying. And I think this quote is fantastic. It's exactly correct in my view. And it's one of the areas where people are getting confused, right? This guy evokes, uh, and I'm not gonna get the Pokemon names right. I don't think an Electrobuzz. My daughter would be around here and tell me exactly what Pokemon that should represent. But uh, I think it's an Electrobuzz with a Gatling gun, uh, but it's not a copy of Electrobuzz. If we were to put them next to each other, you would see that they aren't exactly the same. And then I'm quoted here saying, I can't speak to the science used on this Twitter account. I am not a 3D modeler. I'm not a game developer. But certainly evidence of actual assets being stolen is the kind of thing that is likely to make a more successful case. Simply being inspired by existing designs, even if that goes so far as to use certain design rules, proportions, coloration, curve usage, eye size, et cetera, is generally not. PocketPair CEO Mizobi claimed that Palworld had cleared legal reviews. And I've seen this reported on the kind of pocket Uh, on the kind of power world defense force side of things. I don't think this is terribly useful information either. Generally speaking, you're gonna go through a legal review when you're making any content to put out there for sale in the world. And your lawyers are gonna say, hey, I think this is okay. If you were to sit aside from me and ask me my opinion, I would have told you it flies a little close to the sun for my personal risk comfort level. But I also would have said, I don't think it's strictly speaking illegal at the front end of our conversation. That would be the legal review, but neither I, nor Microsoft's lawyers, nor Pocket Pairs lawyers, nor Nintendo's lawyers can tell you with certainty what would happen if we were to go through an entire court process to determine whether this particular usage of assets in Pal World is infringing on the assets and intellectual property rights of Nintendo or the Pokemon company with respect to Pokemon. So like so many legal questions, the answer is we can't know for sure. Legal review is really a risk assessment process. It's not a guarantee. Any lawyer worth their salt would not guarantee you an outcome on any of these questions. They would tell you, "I would tell you is the risk. Here's where I think that you might get in trouble. And then the business people tell the lawyer, okay, that's acceptable to me or okay, let's pair that back a little bit, whatever it might be. Lawyers are only advisors on these things. And then the business people do what the business people do. So I don't know that that's terribly useful in and of itself, but I think it's noteworthy that at least the way that they're talking about it, the way that the CEO tried to separate power world from Pokemon, even early on a few years ago, is suggestive of a company that is trying to not walk across the line with Nintendo, of course, because Nintendo has a history of being litigious as the Pokemon company does, and they don't actually wanna get sued into oblivion. Part of this video, when we get towards the end, is to discuss what Nintendo might do about this or what they might not do about this, even though we can't make guarantees on that ourselves. Now, I do wanna talk about copyright a little bit more fulsomely here because I think it's important for us to have the foundations correct, If you don't know, copyright is a form of protection provided by the laws of the United States to the authors of original works of authorship that are fixed in a tangible form of expression. I actually wanna take a step back there just a moment because I know people have come onto my Twitter, on my social media and said, hey, you're an American lawyer, what can you talk about with respect to Japanese companies? And that is very true. I wanna make clear, I'm an American lawyer. I'm not barred or authorized to practice law in Japan or various other jurisdictions. I do comment on these things for hopefully informational and educational purposes, But while Japan is a different jurisdiction, has different copyright rules, and a less codified concept of fair use, for example, uh, it is the case that Japan is a party to intellectual property treaties and unions that the United States is involved in. So for the most part, they're going to be in a similar vein, even if the specifics are different on the ground in a Japanese court than it might be in an American court. More completely, the fact that you sell your product into America means you are subject to United States copyright and intellectual property laws specifically. So we can still talk about this from my framework and from my expertise and understanding because an important market for both Pal world and Pokemon is the United States. And in fact, Pal World, I believe, is distributed on Steam, which is a United States company. So we can still talk about United States copyright and intellectual property while understanding that if this were to come to blows in some kind of litigious court environment, it might well be in Japan with a slightly different set of rules than we're talking about today. Now, copyright is the protection of the right to make literary works, musical works, dramatic works, pantomimes, pictorial graphic and sculptural works, motion pictures and other audiovisual works, that's video games for the most part, sound recordings and architectural works. These categories should be viewed broadly for the purpose of registering. For example, Computer programs and certain compilations can be registered as literary works in that you can actually present your code to the Copyright Office if you're so inclined. Maps and technical drawings can be registered as pictorial, graphic, and sculptural works. So they want you to know that these are broad categories and they basically cover everything that might be creative in the world. So video games fit in here primarily with audiovisual works, but they're undoubtedly protected as are the meshes made for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet in both Japan and the United States and anywhere else that it was sold. Copyright provides the owner of the copyright with the exclusive right to reproduce, prepare derivatives, distribute copies or phonorecords records of the work, perform the work publicly, display the work publicly, or perform the work publicly by means of a digital audio transmission if the work is a sound recording. What is not protected by copyright? Well, we already talked about this a little bit. Copyright does not protect ideas, procedures, methods, systems, processes, concepts, principles, or discoveries, does not protect electric mouse, does not protect RPG where you collect pocket monsters and go and fight gym people for badges or any derivative thereof. Does not protect the ultimate kind of idea basis for any game that you can think of, any movie that you can think of. Imagine how poor our media would be if one company had the rights to spy, is caught unawares by someone else, and now has to fight for the freedom of their country, whatever it might be that you think of as an action movie or anything else. If that were held by one company, you wouldn't get all the derivatives of that. You wouldn't get all the different variations on that, that quite frankly, make our world more fun to be in. Who can claim copyright? That goes to the author or the company with which the author worked. You can transfer it by contract. How long does copyright last? A long time. How can I protect my work? Uh, You can do various things like market is copyrighted. Uh, But for the most part, copyright is automatic. Once your expression of an idea is in a fixed medium, which includes code, includes drawing on paper, includes putting it in various places online. So all of this stuff is protected. It's just not protected to the extent that some people online are talking about it as. Like we talked about the ideas, methods and systems concept. Names, titles and short phrases also aren't protected. Layout and design, blank forms, typeface. Familiar symbols and designs. Now let's talk about this a little bit more. I want to make sure I grab the right uh, tab here. So apologies, just one second. This is a copyright circular. All of these documents, by the way, are copyright office circulars. And one thing that's important to note there is they look very official, right? They're government documents from the US Copyright Office. This is not legal advice. They aren't making a legal kind of presentation to folks about copyright, but I do find it useful for folks to understand what the Copyright Office thinks the copyright laws say, because for the most part, they're informed by court decisions and trying to not make life difficult for people that want to protect their intellectual property. So this is still very useful, even though a court could come one day and say this is a wrong interpretation and tell the Copyright Office to fix it up. Now, uncopyrightable material in the land of visual art, copyright protection only extends to original works of authorship works that have not been fixed in a tangible medium of expression, works that have not been created by a human being, more on that in a second, and works that are not eligible for copyright protection in the United States do not satisfy this requirement. Likewise, the copyright law does not protect works that do not constitute copyrightable subject matter or works that do not contain a sufficient amount of original authorship." So what does all that legalese mean? It means that one of the other accusations against Palworld is interesting here because one of the things we saw was that, okay, We live in a world of generative AI now. These look at bare minimum like Pokemon. Could they have just taken a Pokemon meshes and fed them through an AI and had that AI spit out things that are look like Pokemon, but aren't technically Pokemon because that might well be a derivative work. In fact, it sounds like a derivative work as I describe it. It probably sounds like one to you if you're at all familiar with the term derivative work, but Because generative AI is so new, and we talked about this with respect to the New York Times case on this channel, if you want to check out that video, because generative AI is so new, the law really doesn't have a concept of whether that is creating a derivative work, exactly how prompts work, how the user interaction there works with the AI, whether it's copyrightable at all. Uh, A lot of folks think it should be copyrightable by the person making the prompts. A lot of folks think it shouldn't be, and that it should actually be held as a copyright by the company that makes the AI. Uh, and there's everything in between, certainly one of the positions to take is that it's not copyrightable at all because it's not made by a human being. Uh, And then the question becomes exactly how effective is the prompt-making process to give it some type of copyright protection. But I do want to point out here that there's actually no evidence that PAL World was created by AI. And in fact, as a game itself, it doesn't strike me as something that could be made by generative AI as we know it right now. I mean, who knows what the military has, who knows what various of these companies have behind the scenes, but I don't think pocket pair is where we would see the first fully generative AI video game. And so I think it's unlikely that that is in fact in existence. I think it's even unlikely that they made 3D meshes with AI, but more importantly, whatever social media has said on this, there's never been any proof that they used AI to make this. There's some quotes from the CEO that says AI is interesting and look what it can do. And they have a game that's called something like Artist's Imposter, which actually sounds like a smart idea for a game where you have AI create art and the other players create art and you kind of play a Jackbox game and figure out which one is the AI made art. But none of that leads to Pal World was made by AI. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that it was. So keep that in your back pocket. Certainly, if you have problems with AI and art, especially created by AI, it is the kind of thing you wanna keep your eye on. That doesn't make it necessarily illegal. We honestly don't know what the outcome of the generative AI technological boom will be from a legal perspective. Copyright doesn't really account for the concept of robots making art. So that's one thing to keep in mind and to be aware of as these kinds of issues move forward. But as for copyright itself, I do wanna point out one last thing, which is to say one, There are questions about whether or not the copies that are shown in the VGC article and from that anonymous Twitter account are actually copies. There are other Twitter users. And again, I I yield to expertise that is not mine on the concept of creating 3D meshes that say the proportions are close. Maybe they used ripped Pokemon models as a reference and made their own models to match. But the topology of the triangles is different. I don't think they just edited existing models. They still seemingly made their own just to have very close proportions. Like maybe they are really fancy automated riptology tools now. The last time I touched 3D software was a decade ago, but if they took existing Pokemon models and edited them to have totally different topology, they could have just actually modified the proportions at the same time. To edit the entire topology and arrangement of triangles without altering the overall geometry proportions is more work than changing the overall look of the model anyways, which is to say the triangles, the polygons that make up this particular 3D figure are different, that they're formed in a different way using different math, even though they wind up with the same outcome. And then you get into questions of whether or not that is in fact a true copy, right? And that gets into even more weird intellectual property law. If you think of the fact that Windows and Apple Macintosh had lawsuits way back in the day about whether or not they could both have a mouse-based visual desktop system, and the answer was yes, because Windows did it in a different way than Apple did. Then you get into a similar kind of concept here, but this is art, this is sculpture, right? This is a little bit different than functional software. So you can continue to have questions like this. Certainly if they traced, if you can have evidence within some kind of discovery process that they worked specifically off of the Pokemon models to do this, that's one thing. If you have an artist kind of eyeballing to make sure that they match up with the feeling of Pokemon, that's a different thing. And I think there's open questions there. And I think if I were Nintendo, I wouldn't be too likely to come against a company for what I don't know on this score, even if you've got... Certain amounts of evidence that it was clearly inspired by your intellectual property. So, well, we got Blue Pikachu again. I wanted to talk a little bit about the last thing here, which is satire and, and fair use. This is a Wooloo, or a Wooloo, depending on how you want to pronounce that. I'm not actually sure. Uh, this is a Pokemon introduced, I think, in Sword and Shield, the the one that takes place in not England, and it's one of my daughter's favorite Pokemon. So when you start up Pal World and you see these guys, not with guns at the time when you start up the game, but when you see these guys, she instantly said, that's a woolu. Now, as it turns out, these are lamb balls. And if you look at them directly next to each other, you can see they are not the same. They're kind of spherical sheep, but they're not the same design, even though they're evocative of each other. And so this, especially this picture with these guns, seems to suggest something that doesn't meet what we would call the substantial similarity test. And that is the concept of what is copyright infringement, right? So these evoke the same notion, but the actual legal standard here is what is substantially similar. And more importantly for this purpose, what is fair use? So fair use is something we talk about a lot in YouTube land because a lot of people like to make things like reactions to videos like this one or other videos and say, well, I can use it because it's fair use. Fair use is the concept that that whole copyright list that we said, where you get exclusive rights to reproduce and make derivative works, that doesn't apply in a very specific set of circumstances. In the U.S., it's codified as follows. For purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship or research, it is not an infringement of copyright. In determining whether the use made of a work in any particular case is a fair use, the factors to be considered shall include... The purpose and the character of the use, including whether such use is of a commercial nature or is for nonprofit educational purposes, meaning you're more likely to be fair use if you aren't making money on it and you're using it to teach people, uh, and you're less likely to be fair use if you're making money on it. The nature of the copyrighted work, it's a little bit harder to get a fair use ruling if it's a creative work, like Pokemon, that didn't exist before without the efforts of another. The amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole, and the effect of the use upon the potential market for or value of the copyrighted work. Now this one's a little bit interesting. Pal World, because it's a different game, I think shows that Pokemon is popular and continues to kind of put Pokemon at the forefront of people's thoughts without actually competing with what the Pokemon company and Nintendo put out there into the world. At least not to the extent that you would be less likely to get the next Pokemon game because you really want to play Pal World. Pal World is a survival crafter. That's a completely different genre than a kind of more kid-friendly turn-based RPG. So I think this one is perhaps not a gimme on the fair use argument for Nintendo side of things, but these all go together in a balancing test and you can't ever tell somebody whether or not something is fair use in advance. The other aspect of this is that this incorporates the concepts of satire and parody that we've talked about. And certainly when you see something like those lamb balls with the machine guns, it starts to feel like a satire or parody of. What would the world look like if we actually did catch animals in little psychic balls and have them do our bidding for us, right? In the Pokemon universe, you have them fight for you, which looks a little bit like animal fighting rings and has been commented on in other literature. In the world of PALS, you look at it and say, okay, well, what if we were building bases? What if we were setting up sweatshops to make guns and we had gun factories that were all operated by little lambs? What does that look like? Uh, And so I think there is a notion here that you are satirizing or parodying the the Pokemon kind of concept, which is what you need to do, right? Some folks think you can just be satire and just take anything you want and make a joke about it. But you actually have to be commenting on the original work in order to get that protection in the law. And so I do think you can make that argument here. It's not the cleanest argument. I don't think you need to make it if you're not actually copying assets. But there are multiple reasons why a Nintendo or a Pokemon company, despite being litigious, would look at this and say, I'm not so interested in necessarily fighting this fight. One reason, of course, is that there's no reason to believe that Palworld World is going to do what Palworld World did in the last five days and sell 6 million copies and be the most popular game on Earth. There's no reason to believe that as, as early as a week ago. So Nintendo doesn't want to move against companies just for the heck of it. And then you kind of cross through... This middle area where Nintendo might move against a company. And then when it becomes the most popular thing, when you have this conversation out in front of so many people, when so many people are having fun with it, the most important thing about the PAL world discourse, in my opinion, is that the, the satire, the funny sheep with the guns might get you in the door. But even though I often bounce off of Survival Crafter games, it's a fun one. I actually got engaged in it and I played it with my daughter for something like six or eight hours this weekend and it's continually engaging and interesting to play, which is the most important reason why it's so popular in my opinion. And that's one of the things Nintendo is not going to want to just knock down is a game that people are enjoying that is clearly at bare minimum an homage to the property that they have and the value that they provide. It also, for folks that are more interested in seeing Pokemon succeed, is an incentive for Nintendo to look at what works in Pal World and potentially adapt and adopt those things into its Pokemon franchise. Now, again, I'm an optimistic person, but that's what I'd rather see Nintendo do with its money than just get into lawsuits where only the lawyers are primarily paid, right? You don't want to see a game that is providing joy to people out in the world get taken from them for what is at least a questionable legal premise when you could be spending those resources to instead increase the amount of joy and excitement in the world rather than decrease it. So I don't anticipate Nintendo will move on this, Part of the reason for that is because the trailer for Pal World was out for a long, long time uh, and you didn't even get notions of saber rattling, right? When that trailer goes out and I say, hey, it's flying pretty close to the sun, a little bit closer than I've seen other games fly, Nintendo could issue a letter there that says, hey, we want to see this thing. We want to talk to you about what it is, potentially give you a cease and desist letter. There's no indication that we received and we wouldn't have to, but these things usually leak out, that Nintendo even kind of, rattled the saber in that direction. So now after it's been released and it's made this money and people have enjoyed it, it would be seemingly a bad time from a kind of brand protection standpoint, not a legal one. If they had the legal rights, if they could show that these assets were stolen, I'm saying that they would still have to pause and say, is this a good idea to go and try to strip this from Steam or otherwise? And I think there's some question as to whether or not they would. We also can speak to the fact that Nintendo is definitely moving on certain of these things because we know that there was a mod that went out that was promoted on social media that included the Ash Ketchum character Pikachu and the other Pokemon in the PAL world environment. And Nintendo this morning struck it down, uh, or at least was reported as struck down by the Twitter user that was telling folks that it existed yesterday. And so there's a lot of things going on and this is a, a developing story, as the journalists like to say, but, I do think it's important to note that Nintendo didn't move on this before. Chances are they wouldn't move on it now. And so folks that are worried about this are essentially angels on the head of a pinning discussions on this topic because it's unlikely that either of these companies is going to move on it unless there's real evidence of direct copying, something like stealing assets or otherwise incorporating them in a game and Nintendo doesn't want to have the precedent set that you can just take their assets and put them into a successful game like this one. Outside of that, I think we're looking at a situation where World is probably gonna be okay. So, on that note, let's talk about questions and comments. And I'm gonna try to remember to grab here the, uh, the Super Chat, certainly, because I wanna have these conversations with everybody. And if you have questions or comments about what I raised, if I missed something you think is important, Let me know the super chats I can grab because they'll all be included in these various different tabs on these platforms, but don't feel like you have to super chat. I appreciate the support. I don't want anybody to feel like they're obligated to do that in this space. If you do want to catch my attention, try "hoglaw" or a Q and a colon generally also does it as well. Uh, Thank you so much for being a member. I think I'm getting it so I can copyright Hogwarts. Well, you technically trademark Hogwarts, but I can't copyright the concept of magical boarding schools where people learn to brew potions. That's right. That's right. You you can't have a situation where you take the idea of something and prevent other people from using the idea. You can only take your expression of it. Um so in that way, yes. JK Rowling is protected on the Harry Potter universe, I think they call it the Wizarding World, but that doesn't prevent anyone from making a wizard boarding school book series uh, as long as you're avoiding certain obvious copying of the the Hogwarts situation. I almost said the Hogwarts legacy. Uh, And that would have just been a weird pun. So thank you so much. I love your hat. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a member for so long. All of your support helps this channel continue on having these conversations. Not having any interest in Pokemon, I see this game as a neat take on the survival base building genre. I will probably play it for that reason. I do recommend it. I enjoyed it. It has a lot of good design elements that keep you kind of in a straight line, understanding what it is that they've put into the game, how you develop your character, how you develop your base, how you develop your relationships with your pals. Uh, And I think that's why it's going to be a success and not just a flash in the pan. But certainly the use of designs that are evocative of Pokemon is one of the reasons they got their foot in the door. And I think that's what some artists and folks online are objecting to. I'm just trying to tell folks that it's not likely to result in legal action. Sardism, thank you for being a member. I think it's a thumbs up deconstruction and game Nintendo and Pokemon company would never have made. Seems rust with monsters, not Pokemon with guns. I hope they don't sue. Yeah, I think they said that the creators of the game said that they were inspired by Ark, which is not a game I've played very much, but I think that's the one where you have Vin Diesel riding a dinosaur, if I recall correctly, in terms of the trailers. So Ark Survival Evolved, I think, Evolved is the full name of that game. And they do seem to be inspired by the survival crafter genre with kind of a Pokemon Arceus, Pokemon running around that you can capture in balls that you have to create for yourself. Uh in your base camp. So I think it's a very good game. It's not a game that I have played before. It was conti- consistently entertaining and enjoyable as an experience. I think that's ultimately why it's seeing the success that it is. So I don't want to see those kinds of things stamped down, but I do want to have the conversation because so many people asked me about this. All right, let's see if we can capture anybody else that has comments or questions. Ho Glock, Q- oh, I grabbed the wrong one. Is there a way to prove that the baseline model is 100% ripped from a Pokemon game? Does building it up change anything? Well, it's kind of a question of how much is enough to get you copyright protection and to avoid infringement. So I actually should have grabbed the substantial similarity article I I meant to before we went into the questions. I'll see if I can grab it now. I have too many tabs open, which sometimes happens in these videos. Uh, But I wanted to talk about the fact that copyright infringement on the whole is based on concepts that are very broad uh, and are one of the reasons why a Nintendo or a Pokemon company would be unlikely to move against something like this, where the game itself is clearly quite different from Pokemon. So this is an article from DLA Piper that's a law firm in the US that talks about where you might want to sue over copyright infringement because there are different tests used to establish infringement. To prove copyright infringement, the plaintiff must show that the defendant had access to the plaintiff's work, that's obvious, and that the defendant's work is substantially similar to protected aspects of the plaintiff's work. Where literary works are concerned, a broad term that incorporates it, encompasses books, movies, television shows, and the audiovisual aspects of video games, courts in the Second Circuit, that's New York, analyze substantial similarity by first filtering out similarities that result from unprotectable aspects of the original work, such as facts, public domain material, and stock plot elements, And then examine the total concept and feel, theme, characters, plot, sequence, pace, and setting of the similarities that remain to determine whether similarities rise to the level of substantial. Now, this isn't fully applicable to what we're talking about here because we don't think Pal World is a copy of Pokemon as a game. We think that these designs are potentially substantially similar. So this is a little bit different than this is described. But what's important is all the weasel World words there, right? If you're not a lawyer, that might sound just like a soup of English language. But even if you are a lawyer, it's a little bit of a soup. So you take these two concepts, you take these two 3D models of Pokemon, you take out the stuff that can't be protected, which in this case are things like shapes and proportions, and then you compare the rest to each other and determine whether they are substantially similar still. And at that point, who knows, right? And then that's only the second circuit. The ninth circuit, that's California, the West Coast of the United States, divides substantial similarity analysis into separate extrinsic and intrinsic tests. The extrinsic test assesses the similarities of the two works, focusing only on the protectable elements the plaintiff's expression. That sounds the same as the second circuit, right? And then the intrinsic test is viewed as the subjective and holistic test. It involves comparing the protectable aspects of the plaintiff's work to the defendant's work and determining whether both are substantially similar in total concept and feel. Now we know for a fact, Pal World is not substantially similar in total concept and feel to Pokemon, but is one of the characters, is the Lamb Ball substantially similar to the Wooloo uh, in total concept and feel. It looks at the ordinary person's subjective impressions of the similarities between the works. You see why lawyers can't give guarantees on this stuff, right? We can say, oh, I think that's a little close. I can see a judge going against it, uh, but the risk is really up to you, business person, CEO, et cetera. That's why I think they, them passing legal review is not a super useful piece of information because their internal lawyers said, yeah, it's probably okay, but that doesn't mean that it definitely is. So this I wanted to talk about a little bit. Thank you for raising the question. Uh, and I'm glad we got to ch- talk about it and I didn't miss it on the tab. So that's one of the reasons I like to do this live folks. Thank you so much. RJH says, it's not about the gameplay, it's about the art. I know, I agree. I understand. I just wanna make sure I'm clear on all of these things. spin, Hogue. if Nintendo wins in Japan, copyright case, how would that affect Steam and Pal World for players outside of Japan? Both companies are Japanese, but Steam is American. Yeah, I talked about that briefly when we talked about international copyright in the middle of this video, but in case you missed that, if Nintendo were to win a Japan copyright case that it's that Pal World is infringing, then I suspect what would happen is Pal World using the Steam terms of service to put their game through that distribution network would have a problem with Valve. Valve says you can't put up infringing content and says you promised to us that your content isn't infringing. Pal World has made that promise. But if they were to lose a court case somewhere in the world on that, Japan, certainly because they're two Japanese companies, but even elsewhere, then they would have a problem distributing it through the Steam platform legally and Steam could take action against them. So it's not that Steam is American that actually matters in that particular score. It's that the third party pocket pair that is trying to put it up on the Steam service has to represent to Steam that it doesn't infringe on anybody's rights. And they can no longer do that if they have a lost court case like the one you described. uh john paul sign says Pow world is what path of exile is to diablo it's much better than pokemon it's very different isn't it but i do find it more engaging than uh scarlet and violet and i think one of the reasons that people are also reacting very well to it is that scarlet and violet and sword and shield the pokemon company games the official pokemon games on the current nintendo platform are bound by the technical limitations of the nintendo switch right and the nintendo switch is a little long in the tooth it was long in the tooth really when it released i love my switch So this isn't a negative on the Switch, but it is certainly the case that they could be brighter and cleaner and prettier on other platforms and PCs, and that's one of the things that you're seeing in PAL World, even though I don't necessarily love how the image of PAL World comes together, right? I don't think it's a super fancy looking game, but I do think that effort has been made to animate these PALs and to put them in this environment, and I I do enjoy the actual game design. Julie says, this is not the first time I've heard a lawyer saying that there probably won't be a legal issue. Well, I'm glad. One of the things I do say in virtual legality is you put two lawyers in a room, you'll get five opinions. Uh, So you can have different people, reasonable minds differing on these particular issues. But I do think this is the kind of thing that is unlikely to result in legal action at the end of the day. Can't promise it because Nintendo and the Pokemon Company can sue anybody for any reason. Uh, Anybody can sue anybody for any reason. But it's an unlikely win for them, which makes it expensive time consuming and probably hurtful to their brand. So I think if I'm a business person, I'm expecting Nintendo to say, no, that's not worth our time. Jay pair. This is fun. I just watched someone playing pal world for a couple of hours on steam and came here and here's Hoag live about the law around it all. Happy face emoji. Thank you, Jay pair. I really appreciate it. Tell your friends to have these conversations. Absolutely. Leo says two lawyers, five opinions. That's the joke. Yes. But I, I believe it to be the case, right? If you've listened to virtual reality for a while, if you've been here on the channel for a while, you know that Part of what makes a lawyer a good one is to look at two sides of the same coin and be able to argue effectively on either side. And so I can tell you that I think Power World is OK. I could also make the case if I were paid to that it's not OK. Uh, but I think that the better c- part of the argument right now from a kind of neutral perspective is that Power World is probably OK and that Nintendo is unlikely to move against them. John Karras Prieto question with the knowledge that the models of Pal World are not at all similar with the models from Pokemon due to the equivalent of a fingerprint being different. Is it intelligent for Nintendo to sue? I think I've answered this question in that. I think it would not be because I think that would essentially hurt their own brand at for Pokemon company, not doing more with what they've made of their specific Pokemon games, even though I think they're held back by the switch a little bit. Um, But I do think you can make a case based on what, those quotes are in the VGC article and experts that have spoken on this, that it might not be the same models, but they were traced. And I can't speak to that. I don't know whether or not they were traced, but if they were, if you could show some kind of work in process after discovery phase and say, these are traces is what they did to get to this point, then those are clear derivative works of what Nintendo did. They're free writing on the money paid to their artists to get that done. And that's the kind of thing that you would sue over. So I don't think it's intelligent right now with what we know, but this is a developing kind of story. And there could be more information by the end of this video that's out there online that might change that analysis completely. Midnight Jury, I love hearing Hogue quoted on so many shows. I didn't know I was quoted on so many shows because of the Twitter thread I made. Uh, This is part of why I want to be out there. It's not certainly for attention. I want folks to get more and better information and education, and hopefully stamp down some of the kind of social media conversations that get a little bit out of control. I don't know that I do a perfect job of that all the time, uh, but I certainly want to see that happen more often. Lucia says the Switch isn't the limiting factor. The issue is Game Freak. They aren't willing to increase their studio size and the Pokemon company isn't giving them time to make the game. I think it can be both, right? I mean, I think... Tears of the Kingdom, which is one of my favorite games of last year, is still clearly constrained by the Switch's power and would definitely look better with a little bit more power behind it. Uh, I would love to see that. Um, But I think Arceus and Scarlet and Violet in the Pokemon universe are a good direction for Pokemon games to go, but they're clearly kind of coming apart at the seams in the Switch and the Switch ecosystem. Ho, game over 30 here. Hope all is well. I would bet future designs and pals trend even further from what we see today. Yeah, I think once you get your foot in the door, you don't need to stay as closely hewed to the Pokemon kind of design ethos, right? So it wouldn't surprise me at all. I agree with this comment to see them go even further afield because they got those foot in the door. They got the 6 million copies sold. They've got a game design that proves itself now uh, when the first thing that you have to do when you're making an indie game is try to figure out how do you get people's attention in such an oversaturated market They did that with the Pokemon with guns kind of concept. And remember, that's not what they said. That's how it was articulated in places like IGN, I think. Um, So yeah, I think they will probably move their designs away. It wouldn't surprise me if there are some that do look like the meshes are the same or look like they were traced that they move away from or take out of the game. One of the things that you can't tell from the online discourse right now is whether some of the designs that are being commented on are even within the game themselves because people are using things like trailer images, and concept art from either Pokemon or Pal World, and so I would always caution people to just take a beat and look at what the source is, not because everybody's bad faith, but because you just don't know necessarily whether they have the most up-to-date or complete information for what it is that they're talking about. CivBay says, the Switch holds them back in terms of visual fidelity, but my biggest problem with Pokemon is the stale gameplay. I do think that they could get better at the turn-based RPG aspects of it and modernize that a little bit. It's one of the reasons I love Cassette Beast so much. If you like Pokemon, but think the Pokemon gameplay has has stalled or is stale, try out Cassette Beast. It's a really good one. Michi Poo, does the next iteration of Pokemon take a big step up in light of Pal World success? I'm sure they wouldn't want comparisons that make a Pokemon look bad. I mean, I think that... Nintendo could adopt certain aspects of the survival crafter base building within the Pokemon Arceus Scarlet Violet uh, mindset. And I think they would be wise to do so, but you're not going to get Pokemons making machine guns uh, in their world. So I think one of the things I would advise Nintendo on from a business perspective, not a legal perspective, we don't give legal advice on this YouTube channel, is to look at what works in Pell world, what people are responding to and seeing what you can adopt that works still with your brand and what you want it to be. So I think Nintendo would be wise to look at that. Pokemon company would be wise to look at that, but I'm pretty sure that the next Pokemon game is not gonna
1: be PAL world all of a sudden.
0: Commander Striker says about that Pokemon mod for PAL world. I have a link, a YouTube video about it to my friend in America. Apparently the video was blocked, but on my part, the video is still available for me to see. Why is that? That's up to YouTube. I don't know. Nintendo might've been able to successfully block it under a DMCA takedown. Uh, a copyright infringement takedown and that would work under US law and YouTube might treat other jurisdictions differently. But one of the things that's interesting about that is that it was clearly infringing. It was Ash Ketchum. It was Pikachu. It was all the Pokemon. And I did put a tweet out there yesterday that said what was interesting about that to me was that it was actually pretty, uh, pretty hurtful to Nintendo's case if they ever wanted to make one, because I thought that the actual mod made it clear how different Pal World was from Pokemon, you could see clear visual differences even in that mod. And so that's one of the reasons I think you might strike it as if you are interested in potentially bringing an action or you're following it very closely and you're in Nintendo, you say, no, that makes it clear that Power World isn't Pokemon. This one looks very different. So we wanna make sure that's off out of the public eye as well. But the other aspect of it is of course, the reason copyright holders don't want their intellectual property used just willy nilly is that you don't want Mario to appear in Princess Peach does plumbing and you don't want your Pokemon to appear in a gun based shooter, right? So Nintendo is going to be very careful with how that intellectual property appears in things like PAL World, which is at least mildly satirical or a parody, uh, depending on how you approach that game. Hey, animal, we're all lawyers now. All of a sudden, I it is who I am. Can't help it. <laughs> PAL World is the Pokemon stamp Americans wanted. Now, Mrs. Hogue has. Already heard that comment, I'm sure, from around the house, and will tell you that the new Pokemon Snap is one of her favorite games on the Switch. She loves it to death, and she would not want the Power World version of it. But I, I hear what you're saying. Pokemon has stagnated a little bit, even though I like the current generation games a little bit more than some in the
1: video game space.
0: Platinum Sentinel question, does third-party inspired content outperforming the original generation IP have any effect in the long run? I think this is similar to, will Nintendo do anything about this on a business standpoint? I think absolutely they're taking into account that this is happening. One thing that I think is the clearest is that there is an appetite for Pokemon as a concept outside the Nintendo ecosystem, right? Nintendo is some of the best software developers on earth, however you feel about the Pokemon games in general. And they have been reluctant to bring that software outside their hardware ecosystem because that's how their business model works. But the fact that there is this kind of unmet market appetite that we're seeing on Steam, that we're seeing on Xbox Game Pass could be the kind of thing that wakes Nintendo up to other possibilities for bringing their games over to other consoles or ecosystems. And we're seeing that across video games, right? We're seeing Xbox have their games release on PC. We're seeing Sony talk about the same things with respect to PlayStation releases. So if Nintendo was looking at this and saying, you know, actually there's money to be made there. Let's bring the Scarlet and Violet 2 equivalent to the PC at the same time we do as the Switch or even Xbox. It wouldn't surprise me if you have that kind of business model being looked at, even if it's not within the game design itself. So I think Nintendo can't just ignore this. The fact that Pal World, a game that basically nobody knew about in terms of search scores or branding uh, before its release did this in such a short period of time is something that if you're at Nintendo and you're not taking into account of, you need to go into a different job. So I think Nintendo is looking at this. I think they will be following this and they will be thinking about how they can adapt it to their own business model. Papa Rick says it's not the first time Nintendo shut down a Pokemon shooter game. Yeah, I mean, you have to protect your intellectual property. You don't want it to be associated with things you don't want it to be associated with. Um, And so that's why I do bring up the, pinch the, the, the Princess Peach does plumbing example. If you go and uh, look at some of the earlier videos on this channel, I have a clip from a set of answers that I gave to the Easy Allies a few years back. That was asking about fan creations and fan games and whether or not they're legal. And it's a complicated answer as this one is. But one of the things that I pointed out is that you don't want uh, the uh, intellectual property that you've spent so much time and money curating and building up to be associated with things that you don't want it to be representative of for your brand. And so that's one of the reasons why you see companies like Nintendo. Uh, go and protect that brand and that intellectual property a little bit more than others. So yeah, that, that includes Pal World. That includes things that are worse than Pal World that you might be able to imagine. And honestly, Pal World is not just Pokemon with guns. And in fact, you probably won't see a gun or at least use a gun for eight hours of playing that game. So, I mean, it, it's not really just go in there and do satire of Pokemon. It's it's a It's a more complete game experience than even I was expecting based on the premise. Against the Tides is granted Pokemon Go and Pokemon Sleep were newer things. Yeah, did Pokemon Sleep ever come out? That was the one that was gonna like help your Pokemon grow with your like uh, heart monitor, right? Uh, While you slept, something like that. I don't know if that actually made it out. I don't pretend to know everything about the Pokemon world. So if it did, I'm sorry about that. Pokemon Go is of course the very popular mobile game that has you go and find Pokemon out in the real world. So there's clearly an appetite for the brand And Nintendo has to pay attention to that if they're
1: running a good business.
0: Did the stream drop? I hope not. Let me know if I'm not coming through. that will be hard for you to answer, but yeah, please. Uh, Emily Baker uses uh, Pokemon Go a lot. She gets in trouble, I see as a comment. It doesn't surprise me. Um, But yeah, certainly when it came out, you might remember some of the stories about people like running into, uh cemeteries and getting in trouble in non or or quasi-public spaces. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that's interesting. Mahar Rustam, can Pocket Pair create a Pokemon-like game with Pals after the success of Pal World if we assume Pal World doesn't infringe on Pokemon's rights or PALs are only protected in Pal World? Uh so I think you're asking whether they could make a Pokemon game out of this, uh, meaning like a a, a turn-based RPG of some kind. I'm not sure that they would want to, but if they did the actual design elements of the Pokemon game are not something that is protected. You are, if you're flying close to the sun with the designs, if you use those designs in a game that looks like Pokemon, I think you're getting real close to substantial similarity, likelihood of confusion from a trademark standpoint, and you probably don't want to do that. But this company has already evidenced a higher risk tolerance than most corporations would have. So they could try that. They might be okay because, again, the ideas can't be protected but you start to get too many elements that are similar or the same, you wind up having a higher level of loss in court. And more importantly, for your purposes as a small company, but maybe not so small after you sell 6 million copies of your game, you wind up having a higher likelihood of the big dog, the the, the copyright holder, the intellectual property holder, deciding to bring you into court. At that point, you've mostly lost. Right, whether or not you win or lose in court, the legal process is a bear. You're paying lawyers a lot. You're distracted from your company operations. It takes a long time to get done with, and that entire time, you're unsure about what your future is as a company or your intellectual property holdings. So you don't want Nintendo to come after you. Certainly, big companies have used that leverage and the problems with the legal process in more nefarious contexts. We've talked about in virtual legality and on this channel, uh, but. I wouldn't recommend it, but again, I wouldn't have recommended these designs be this close, so they might just have a higher appetite for risk than I do. Oh, Pokemon Sleep is out and driving Emily D. Baker up a wall. I didn't honestly know that. I'll have to look into it. uh, I'm not known for my great sleep. I didn't have great sleep last night, but if it works... For uh, Pokemon, maybe I will, who knows? I only plays Pokemon Sleep. Well, I, I will bring it up with her later and and see what she thinks of it. Uh, okay. Uh, stream is going
1: fine, that's nice.
0: Uh, when NPCs go, I don't smell pals on you. You can imagine how that goes with people, LOL. Uh, for the record, it's I don't smell pals on you. It's a slightly different uh, line, I think, for purposes of that uh, that opening interaction with a person in the, in the space. But speaking of satire and parody, one of the things you can do in PAL world is actually capture human beings in your PAL spheres. And that creates a whole other kind of set of political and social commentary within a space that you can imagine Nintendo wouldn't be too terribly comfortable with. So... Lindsay, no, Emily's Pokemon sleep chassis are her regular for her sleep schedule. LOL. All right. I said quasi-public. Cemeteries are public-ish in that they're held open to the public for the most part, but you're not supposed to be running through and and on graves looking for Pokemon and, and chatting and having a fun time. So this became a whole issue back in the day. Uh, okay, so I think we're just about done. I didn't see any other uh super chats or questions that I missed, but please do let me know. Uh, uh if I missed anyone, here's one last one, and then we're going to be gone for the day. I hope this was helpful to everyone. Has anyone compared Pal World to Arc or other games? The main reason this didn't seem like they directly copied is surely they would have copied elsewhere as well. Well, if you go and play Pal World, what you'll note immediately. Is that it uses Breath of the Wild slash Tears of the Kingdom kind of mechanisms for stamina, uh, and knocking down trees and climbing cliffs and swimming across, across pools and things like that. So I tend to think of it as a mashup between a kind of Minecraft, Ark, Monster Hunter, and Breath of the Wild with Pokemon in it. So it is clear that one of the re- one of the kind of guiding plans of this company is to take the good ideas from various video games that they enjoy put them together in a way that is new and different and hopefully enjoyable that can sell through and, and find an audience with places like Pal World. And some folks find that offensive, right? Oh, you took the mechanics from Breath of the Wild and that should be seen as bad. I tend to look at it the opposite, which is that when you invent the wheel somewhere and it really works for people, if you can incorporate that into a new game design or a new type of genre, like a survival crafter, then that's a benefit to the world, right? That is what we want to see happen with intellectual property protection. We want to see people taking the good ideas they see from other games, putting them into a new uh, mechanism and having a new concept and a new experience arise out of it. Pal World is not a game that I have played before, even though many of the mechanics that are within Pal World are things that have appeared in other games. So to me, that's a good thing. I think the copyright law agrees with me on that. L. Paul, thank you for the super chat. Should Xbox buy Pocket Pair? Would you? Uh, so I always say the same thing on this. It takes two to tango, right? So much like going to the market and deciding whether you want to buy that pair of shoes, a lot depends on the price. So what would pair be asking for? Are they interested in losing their independence and selling their company? That's the conversation you have as a kind of feel-out conversation to begin with. Uh, if they get some amount of interest there, I certainly would have the phone call. But I would say all of these companies always have the phone call with any company that pops up on the radar because you want to be at the forefront of these various things. I think the fact that the Game Pass folks figured out that this was going to be as popular as it was and got it signed up even in the early access game preview side of things for Xbox Game Pass is a big win for them. And so I think they probably will approach them and see if they're interested, but it isn't a perfect fit for the Xbox in general. It's a very kind of Japanese approach game. And I know Xbox and Microsoft are trying to get into that a little bit more. We saw Visions of Mana in the Xbox Direct. But in answer to your question, it depends very much on the price and the willingness of the parties to be involved. I'm not sure that this is the kind of thing that you want to buy into at a high price. Essentially, you don't want to buy a stock when it's high. So they might be overvaluing the value of their company right now when right now we aren't entirely certain it's not a flash in the pan or lightning striking for this company. So I would say I my guess is that they don't want to sell. This is at the height of their powers And if they do want to sell, it's at too high a price right this second. But I would be evaluating them at Xbox and I would be thinking about whether or not they're a good purchase in the future. Kisa Lady asks Is there some type of statute of limitations on some of these arguments or does that not apply with copyright? There's not a statute of limitations insofar as the infringement exists and you knew about it two years ago because of the trailer, but there are notions of unclean hands or other. Mechanisms within the law that say if you wait on something to when it's the most advantageous for you and negative for the other party, that we're going to be less likely to find for you. Uh, and so I do think in this particular instance, it would be seen as hey, you knew about this for years and years and years. You let them work on this project, and now they're making all this money and they're going to be independent and they're going to work out. And now you want to make sure that you get that money back and you want to c- cause trouble for them that a court might look a little bit negatively on. That doesn't mean it would have to, and there could be reasons why Nintendo decided not to. In fact, part of the part of the fact pattern that often happens in these cases is that the copyright holder comes out and says, hey, we, we engaged with them back in 2021, uh, and they, we sent a letter saying you have to show us what you're doing. They agreed to, and what they showed us was not indicative of the final product, so we were led astray. There's all sorts of things that could be happening behind the scenes that we don't know about, but we have no reason to believe that at present. So. In answer to your question, because I'm a lawyer, I answer it very long, but there's not a statute of limitations, but there are kind of concepts of you can't try to abuse the court system. A a judge will suss that out. All right. Michi Poo says, what other big games would you like to see get the Pal World treatment? What is the Pal World treatment, Michi Poo? Like, get this popular all of a sudden? <coughs> cool. There's a lot of games I really like that I wish were more popular and I wish would succeed. Um, but I don't know that anyone can reasonably ask for the kind of crazy sales and crazy uh, playthrough times that we're seeing for PAL World. It really is Call of Duty type numbers, numbers that are unusual for big AAA releases with full marketing budgets, let alone a few guys making a Pokemon type game. JB1521 says PocketPair hasn't seen this type of success. I'm sure it's all hands on deck for PAL World. Oh, I believe it. Against the tide, asks for likes and shares. Please do. If you're enjoying this conversation, if you think this is good stuff to have out there, hopefully getting more and better information and educational materials out there for social media and the world in general, please do like, subscribe. All the button pushes, all the comments, all the engagement helps YouTube find us, helps us have these conversations with more people and hopefully have better information out there in the world in general. Platinum Sentinel asks, given video games is an open market and fans are starved of fresh ideas, I think there's ground for Nintendo to bring up legal issues rather than improve their own products. I don't think this is a winner for them, but I could see a Nintendo getting just upset about the success of this that they don't have. And it's clearly kind of built off of some of their intellectual property recognition with Pokemon and saying, let's let's bring our full force to bear. I think that would be a net negative for both video gaming and Nintendo. But one of the things that comes across in business, if you've been in it, or if you've represented businesses like I have, is that sometimes, even though all rational thought should go in one direction, you still have human beings making the decisions, pulling the levers, right? And so you still have emotion interplay. You can still have things like anger and resentment and envy interplay. And so... Is there a ground for them to bring up legal issues? It, it's not a specious argument. They could make a claim against Pal World. I think it would be a bad idea. I don't think they're likely to do it. But yeah, they, they could try. Q. Mario 242. So what about other lawyers saying Nintendo has a case due to the character models and the fact that people looking at it as Pokemon? Well, again, two lawyers in a room, five opinions. But I think Nintendo could make a claim. I don't think it gets thrown out of court. I think it's the kind of thing that you'd have to go through. I think a reasonable person could come and say that there is a substantial similarity, but I think it unlikely. I think we're talking about design elements, proportions, coloration, that are evocative of existing intellectual property and not a direct copy of it from what I have seen so far. And so I haven't seen other lawyers really saying this, but I'm, admittedly, I haven't been looking in every article that's been written about this in the last couple of days. So uh, if there are other folks that are saying that they think Nintendo has a case. I think that comes from a perspective of, this certainly looks like a massive success. There's a lot of money changing hands here and it's clearly built off being evocative of that intellectual property and maybe Nintendo should do something about it. I can see a lawyer saying that, but I don't think that I've seen anybody say that I would, I wouldn't bet my money on them winning at the end of the day. Solid Python says, I don't know why people keep saying it's an improvement improvement over Pokemon formula and them doing Pokemon better when it's not even in the same genre. People, Pokemon doesn't need crafting guns and slavery, LOL. Uh, I I agree with that. I do think because Arceus and Scarlet and Violet have this kind of open world throw balls at Pokemon uh, environment, it does remind folks of that a little bit more than it would have before the Pokemon company made that change. Uh, And so I do see it being a little bit more similar than older Pokemon games, but still I agree with you. It's a different genre. Survival crafter is not what Pokemon is even in Arceus or Scarlet and Violet. Um, And so I think people like crafting. I think survival crafting is one of the most popular genres on PC and one of the most popular genres to stream. So one thing, if you're a Nintendo, you might be looking at is, okay, maybe not Pokemon. Maybe Pokemon is the wrong intellectual property, but should we be doing some kind of survival crafter? Should a new Pikmin game be something that has direct crafting, that is easily streamed, that can have some of the impact that a game like Pal World does? If I'm Nintendo, these are questions I have to ask myself. So, yeah. Newspin says, Pokemon has slavery too, it just hides it better. I mean, that's when you get some of the stuff that happens in Pal World. It's one of the reasons why I think you could argue that it's a fair use satire or parody, is that it really does kind of ask the question, what would Pokemon look like if we really treated it seriously? If you could psychically take control of animals with this ball, what does that mean for society? What does it mean for the world? And I think that's a kind of thing that is actually acceptable, that we want to be protected as a concept in fair use. Vex, question, does the CEO history about AI and the use of it to make Pokemon-like characters that aren't noticeable to the actual Pokemon alarming? Pocket Pair next game is a straight-up Hollow Knight clone. What I saw from those quotes in the interview was somebody that was interested in generative ai and was interested in the way that it was being used uh to make in that particular case fake pokemon or fake fakemon which was a project i wasn't familiar with uh but no i don't find it alarming i i think social media jumped on it a little bit as evidence that ai was being used to make uh pal world and I find no evidence of that at all that I could see in anything that I researched for purposes of this video. But even if there were AI used, it's still unclear from a legal perspective whether or not that is a death knell because generative AI is copyright infringing or not. That's just not a question that we have answered in the law yet. That doesn't mean you can't boycott it if you think that if they use generative AI, it's unethical. Ethics is different than law. What is right may not be legal. What is legal may not be right. Uh, And so I don't have any qualms with anybody making that decision on their own, but I would suggest that people make that decision based on actual evidence rather than just things like an interview for something different or the existence of the uh, artist imposter game. So I would caution people to wait on that, but I don't have any problem with people making their own ethical decisions on what they want to support or not. Chameleon question. So on the chance that Nintendo manages a win and Steam has to take it down, are people expected to get a refund? Well, that would be up to Steam. Generally, Steam has been pretty good about giving refunds on things that get taken down. This would be a little bit unusual uh, in terms of how big it is, uh, but I think people would expect it. Uh, Steam would do that probably, again, for optics reasons as much as anything, uh, depending on what you could find in their terms and conditions as to when you are owed a refund if something gets delisted like that. But I think we're a little bit too far ahead of ourselves because I don't think any of that's likely to happen. Newspin says, realistically, AI is the future of development. Start with AI, tweak the AI with actual devs, way more work done in much less time. I tend to agree with this, but reasonable minds can differ on that. I I believe, AI can be used to essentially create uh, templates and forms of even level design that developers can use to make their own ideas or, or concepts out of the tool set that they have and get us better games at a less labor intensive cost. But I don't blame anybody, especially who's in those fields, for saying, well, that sounds a lot like being replaced by a robot. Uh, and There's a lot of consternation out there right now that I understand and empathetic towards, even if I think ultimately that is where development of software and video games and a whole lot of other things in the world winds up ending. Joshua Ford question, if a paid game doesn't infringe, but a free mod widely distributed does infringe, can that lawsuit come back to the game devs if the pairing of the two is implied? If, If like the Pokemon mod that we saw advertised yesterday for a little bit were to be, included in some kind of package with Pal World by Pocket Pair, I think you start to get into trouble. But from a legal perspective, tools existing or otherwise having a, a system in place like Pal World on its own that can infringe on another's intellectual property is not itself illegal. The infringer there is the modder, not pocket pair. And so I think that's an important distinction to make, right? We talk about this a little bit on this channel. You can find an episode that I did on intellectual property infringement in Dreams. I think. So, if you searched for Dreams, you would find that where we talk about the fact that Dreams and Little Big Planet and other content creator type games that are out there in the console space do not infringe on Sega's intellectual property when somebody makes a Sonic the Hedgehog game out of them. They do if they know of these infringements and they don't do anything about them or they otherwise encourage them. But it's the modder, it's the creator themselves that is infringing on the intellectual property rights of another. And the tool maker doesn't get in trouble for that. RJH-00, wouldn't Nintendo and Pocket Pair more than likely settle than Nintendo winning, just have Pocket Pair throw some money to Nintendo and agree to change their models? Uh, certainly, most civil disputes result in settlement. It depends on what Nintendo was seeking to achieve, right? So maybe Nintendo wants this entire game brought down. Maybe Nintendo just wants some money out of it. Maybe Nintendo just wants the models changed. They think it's too close. Uh, certainly, that could be done with a lawsuit threatened and settled, but it's even easier for Nintendo to do that with an angry letter. Uh, and uh, telling Pocket Pair that that's what they want to see happen. And Pocket Pair probably doesn't want to fight that fight. One of the things Nintendo has to take into account now is that unlike some other indie companies or smaller developers that you can bludgeon with resources using the legal system like Nintendo and other big companies could do, this is the kind of thing where you sell 6 million copies, you have all this money if you're Pocket Pair, that they could actually defend themselves and they have every reason to do so. Right? You don't want, you don't want to this particular golden goose if your pocket pair. So Nintendo also has to take into account that the uh, the opposition in this particular case would be significantly mo- more vociferous than it might have been had they done this before it released, as a for instance. So, yeah. RJH00, you and I agree that the art is too close, but that's still very far away from being able to win a lawsuit. Yeah, I, I probably would have not recommended the art that they went out with, but that doesn't mean that they would lose a lawsuit. Yeah. Poor Gamer says Minecraft had a Pokemon style mod for a while. The developer of the mod was ordered to stop and take it down. Uh, yes, Nintendo will often do that, will go and protect mods that infringe on its intellectual property. And certainly Microsoft doesn't want to be in the business of uh, infringing on Nintendo's intellectual property or otherwise facilitating that infringement. And so it doesn't surprise me that that kind of thing would have happened. JB 1521 asks, why wouldn't Nintendo stop Foam Stars? So if you aren't familiar with the Foam Stars video game, it's a Square Enix video game, I believe releasing as a PlayStation exclusive. It might be on Xbox as well, uh, in which characters are apparently covering an arena in foam, very similar to the game concept of Splatoon, where you paint your color on various aspects of the arena and the winner is the one that has the most paint of their color at the end of a three-minute match. Now, the reason they wouldn't stop Foam Stars is the same reason we talked about Temtem and Cassette beasts not being a problem, right? So you cannot protect ideas or systems. And so the concept of I'm going to take an arena and I'm going to cover it in something, paint or foam or whatever it might be, is not something that's protected by copyright. The expression of it with the paint rollers and the little Splatoon figures and turning into a squid and these various other things all altogether is what's protected by copyright, but not the notion of covering up an arena. Foam Stars is not even close to being a problem. I know people have brought it up uh, in context with the Pal World Pokemon fight, but it's not even close. It's inspired by Splatoon. There's no question, but it's not close to a copyright infringement, in my opinion. Bradley Spices wasn't a lot of the word about foam stores that it doesn't actually play like the Splatoon all that much. I, I don't think it looks like it plays like Splatoon all that much. It's the underlying concept that people reacted to. And the most important thing to take away from this video is that ideas cannot be protected. And so the very notion of we're going to paint our arena in something is not something that's protectable. Excuse me for my voice. <clears throat> Platinum Sentinel says, "Wouldn't it be win-win for Nintendo to work with PocketPair to make a better Pokémon game, given their experience in the popularity of Pokémon?" Sounds like a logical way to settle any future disputes. Well, I mean, if you're Nintendo, you have faith in the people that make your own game. Maybe you also have some internal consternation about what Game Freak and the Pokémon company is doing, but you also have politics to handle there, which is that Game Freak's been responsible for Pokémon for a long time. So, is that something? that you want to upend by bringing in new people that clearly kind of uh, went pretty close to, if not cross the line against your own folks and work with them to make a new Pokemon game might be seen as in the front, right? One of the things we talk about here is a little bit fantasy football or trading cards in that what what, what could go well together? What companies would we buy? What companies would we not be interested in buying? But these are actual people that operate in these spaces. So much like a football team, or a soccer team or whatever else you might think of as a sporting event that you like, you still have to think about how these people are going to react to those situations. So I don't know that Pocket Pair would be brought in to make a better Pokemon game would work for the overall structure of Nintendo. I don't know that it wouldn't, but I can't say that that's a definite win for them. What about the Nemesis system? Asks TBA, wasn't that protected by WB? So the Nemesis system, I have a video on in this space and uh, you can check that out on this channel. But that was a patent. So when we talk about intellectual property, there are three types of intellectual property. There's copyrights, there are trademarks, and there are patents. Copyrights are what we're talking about today, which are designs, You know the way a Pokemon looks, the overall stuff that's included in a video game. Uh, trademarks are the names, like Pokemon. You'll note they use pals, not Pokemon. They don't use Pokeball, they use Palsphere. Uh, they are the things that identify who made a product or service. Uh, and patents are very different. Patents are inventions. And the nemesis system was protected, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, as a design patent um, that was put forth to the US patent office as something that was novel in the video game space and WB protected it. Um, But that is very different than the concept of a copyright. Uh, So nemesis is protected. There are other things that are patented to my knowledge, And I don't pretend to have total knowledge on this, so anybody can correct me on this. But to my knowledge, nothing of the Pokemon franchise is patented. In general, it doesn't make a lot of sense to patent video game design elements because it's a very expensive process. And it's very difficult to prove that your patent has been infringed if somebody makes a mildly different version of the same kind of thing. But WB did do that with the Nemesis system. Gecko Gamer asks, isn't Pokemon a separate company from Nintendo? So saying that Nintendo would sue Pal World technically wrong. Well, I am not the expert on the organizational infrastructure of the intellectual property represented by Pokemon. But my understanding is that Nintendo has some rights to Pokemon as an intellectual property concept. Game Freak has some rights and the Pokemon company has some rights. So I try to say them all together because the ultimate answer here is the Nintendo side of the equation suing. Not Nintendo proper. I'm not talking about the Nintendo company. I'm talking about the Nintendo side. Uh, So yes, would Nintendo sue play world is the question from would that side of the business entities sue over this? Not just Nintendo companies specifically. Bradley Spice says it's a utility patent for the Nemesis system, not a design patent. So I apologize for that. Thank you, Bradley. I always appreciate better information. Sardism says, question, with how Zelda's universe has changed recently, do you think that Nintendo might make a side game or add survival crafting elements to the next installment in that series? I would argue that Tears of the Kingdom is already kind of a little bit survival crafter. You do have things from Breath of the Wild, like temperature, temperature. Uh, and food already incorporated into the concept. You add hunger and sleep needs and things like that. And I think you're already there with the current Zelda iterations. Wouldn't surprise me to see the of the series, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, go full hog with survival in the next iteration. But I don't know what direction they're going to go. Guessing which direction Nintendo's going to go on any of their games almost seems like a fool's errand. So yeah, thank you so much, everybody. I think I'm up to speed on questions, so I'm going to call it now. We're at about 90 minutes. It's about what I can do right this second uh, with the channel. So thank you so much, everybody, for being here, for having this conversation. We had a huge number of people here interested in this topic, more than 500 right now. So please do like, subscribe, become a member if you're interested in that. We've got lots of fun live content that we do on this channel. Otherwise, tell folks that we're having this conversation. and I really appreciate everyone for being here. I love doing these videos and I'm so thankful for all of you. Thank you so much, everybody. And I'll see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.